Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we've got Season 7, Episode 28, All That Jazz. Mary, what happened this week? Donna has finally finished her business plan for class, and all she has to do is present it tomorrow. So that means she totally has time to tag along for David's super quick one-night business trip to New Orleans. Even though Professor Langley is a tough grader, David convinces Donna that, oh my god, <laughs> it's that with the, the time so difference, sad. the flight back takes no time. Oh my god, I'm going to try that one more time. It's okay. It's because it's such a ridiculous thought no that sense. David had. <laughs> you're like no this can't be right yeah i was like did i write yeah did i write this correctly okay (laughs) even though professor langley is a tough grader david convinces donna that that with the time difference the flight back takes like no time at all except for the fact that they oversleep and miss their flight entirely so donna doesn't get to do her presentation and also david doesn't get to have sex again like, this is truly a plan that a, like, 21-year-old would come up with. Oh, yeah. Like, even in that bear, like, because we open with Donna working very hard on her business and fashion prog- project. That she's been stressing about for weeks, because we're going to keep bringing up that Donna obsesses over school. That is just a horse we are beating, like dead one it is just that was the wrong way to say that but we're just (laughs) going to continue belaboring this point for the near future and yeah so like david calls her which is fine but we find out she has to present this tomorrow and i thought it was nighttime when he called it's apparently the morning of class so presumably eight or nine o'clock in the morning and he's like yeah we should uh this is great you'll be done with your project so we should celebrate tonight, not no. after you've done the project presentation, but tonight. Yeah. Let's go out to dinner in New Orleans. By the way, it's two time zones away, but it's okay because getting there, don't worry, it'll only be two hours later than what it is here. But coming back, it's like you get those back, so you just bank them. <laughs> like, this makes... Okay. None of it makes sense. I don't – I still really have trouble wrapping my head around the fact that Val and David are legitimate business owners and that anyone wants to have a live radio show from the pee pad and is willing to give David two first-class tickets to New Orleans with hotel and everything for one night just so he can come to the jazz festival they're already at. Also, is their club a jazz place? I don't know. I, I apparently, I don't know what we are. We are non-denominational <laughs> in our <laughs> club music. We celebrate interest. everyone. Yes. And like, I'm sorry, but like, this must be a ripple effect from like Luther Vandross or something because Monica. Yeah. Was Monica not huge in the late 90s, mid to late 90s? I mean, I would have thought so. I don't know exactly when. I've lost all sense of time of where we are. Like. <laughs> 
we're in well it's okay so did david oh my god (laughs) yeah and he's like oh yeah we'll just go to the airport in like two hours i'll pick you up after class and then i'll have you home before class tomorrow and that's not gonna mess with you and your presentation that she just finished and has not practiced presumably right and like jet lag they have those giant hurricanes yes oh my gosh but yeah of course she's like Okay, yeah, that sounds fun. Let's do that because apparently love is in the air with these two because they say like very nice things to each other. They're very, very much into each other, which I do enjoy. But Mm -hmm. I also enjoy like taking off those rose-colored glasses for a second and be like, no, no, if you're going to be mad at me, if I don't go with you jet set for one night in New Orleans because I have a priority that like makes sure I graduate, then no, we're not as good as I thought we were. Yeah, it seems like this project is worth a serious percentage of her grade. Right. Like, and if we're in April, then this is probably a midterm or something. Like, yeah, or like maybe there's two projects, or like, yeah, maybe it's like the big project of the semester, almost kind of like a, um, what you call that thing? Like a capstone project or something. Yeah. And, or a practicum for, you know, the healthcare industry, like things like that. And, it's like, yeah, clearly this is not just an assignment. This is something that has mm-hmm. taken weeks for Donna to do. Yeah. But like you said, they have these like rose-colored glasses. They're so relieved that her project's done and they have this trip just dropped in their lap same day, I guess, to the point that, mm-hmm. yeah, the very last thing we see in the first scene is David packing a box of condoms. I'm so glad whoever – props was (laughs) either this pack really existed or made sure to put in like huge like 72 point font condoms (laughs) yeah I guess you know it's like it's like that uh fake beer brand Heisler like you can't just put you know Bud Light or anything on you can't have just Trojans or something people would recognize so you just need Condoms. (laughs) Condoms. <laughs> like <laughs> they couldn't I guess like maybe we haven't gotten to the point in television that I love where they just make up names or do like, you know, scratch off like if it's an if it's like an um an I, they make it an E or something like that. God. Condams. <laughs> Imagine it's your job to go print those stickers that are just giant and say condoms on them. And you know I, you have to go to like a Kinko's or something. I, was, I would <laughs> insist to go to a Kinko's. They'd be like, we have a printer in the office. Be like, no, no. Kinko's does it better. Yeah. They have the fonts I need. <laughs> oh, my God. But yeah, no. So apparently David's expectation, even though we just had the conversation a mere week ago, that nobody should pressure you or make you feel like you should be doing something that you're not. He he's got this expectation again. I I we we learn nothing. We have amnesia week to week. We learn nothing, and so we cut over to the class that Donna is in, and then is going to go to New Orleans afterwards. We finally meet the professor Langley that she's been talking about for weeks, and professor is not nice. She no tears Ellen's pricing plan apart, dude. And like, not to Ellen, just Ellen. 
but to the whole entire class, like just kind of berating the plan. And then like says like, okay, class, you can go. But then it's like, wait, 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 wait. And then kind of like, I don't know, is just talking down to the class like she's expecting them to do poorly. And it's like, if you don't, like, you know, you got to put in this effort. You can't just start on, like, whatever she says. And I'm like, ooh. She Add insult liter- to injury. She literally looks Donna in the face and is like, I bet you haven't even started it yet. Right? Like, like damn. Yeah. I was like, okay. Professors at this school are not nice. Yeah. And, like, on top of that, once Donna does leave, David rushes her along, like, doesn't get to, like, maybe talk to the professor after class to clear things up or have any time to just kind of, like, ha- hold space for what just happened because Donna or David comes rushing in and is like, you know, all right, we got to go, we got to go. And then David – I'm sorry, I keep getting them mixed up – Donna <laughs> – is still worrying about it as she should because she just had this class thing happening happen to her and David is just like you need to stop worrying about it and I'm like stop it stop she can worry if she wants to worry yeah constantly everyone thinks she obsesses about school because like in David's case and probably everyone else's to an extent she's just not fitting into the narrative they want to drive David wants this yeah. to be a you know carefree romantic 30 not even 30, 20 hours for her right. while, like, he has his one meeting. And so, yeah, he's like, oh, no one could ever dislike Donna Martin and then kisses her. Which is true. I mean, should be. But Professor Langley is just, like, down the hall glaring at them. I would also panic if – and, like, you're a grown-ass adult, so <laughs> you don't need to freak out. No. But I still would if, like, an authority figure saw me just, like, making out with my boyfriend or something in the hallway. I'd be like, no, no, I'm not. Nope, that wasn't me. <laughs> right? And, like, still, same thing. Like, she sees it. She's like, oh, my God. And he's like, no, we got to go. We got to fly. Mm-hmm. We got to get to LAX. Yep. Which, again, thinking logistics here, if they have to go from CU to LAX – Assuming they just left all of their their bags in David's not closed Jeep Wrangler or whatever he owns, they don't that presuming they just have to go from CU to LAX. That's still with traffic going to be insane. Then throw in if they do have to make a pit stop to the beach apartment to get their things or the Hollywood Hills apartment. I don't know which is closer. <laughs> and then. They get there, presumably they're at least a little bit early for their boarding, get through security, all of that. Then it's a it, probably, what, a three-hour flight? Uh, three and a half hours. I looked it up. Okay, three and a half hours. It's already probably like 10 a.m., 11 at the late, like earliest, I would think. So maybe that's like five hours being generous, probably more with traffic and all that stuff. So they're not even getting there 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, 4 p.m., LA time. So that's 6 p.m. East Co- or Central time. And then they got to get through the airport, get a rental car or a cab, get to where they're going. And I mean, they do like when they get to the hotel, they're like, oh, we got to get to dinner. We are like here at the it's wire. It's dark. It is dark outside. <laughs> I, this trip baffles me. 
it doesn't feel fun. No, it broke my brain. Yeah, I I was convinced that this trip was not going to work from the start. And like, mm-hmm. this is David's like impulsive behavior coming out to play again. I was like, mm-hmm. you just, this is not how you should have done it. Like you trying to add in the romantic behavior is mm-hmm. what's throwing the plan out of whack. Like, yeah. But, and they get to the hotel and... You know, they have a little moment where they look at the night-blooming flowers or something. Jasmines. Yes. And they're (laughs) in a room where Tennessee Williams wrote a streetcar named Desire, supposedly. And there's only one bed. Which, I gotta say, like, David pointing it out to me, personally, I was like, maybe that's something you don't just, like, bring up. You know, like, I think it would have, she clearly didn't have an issue with it. And maybe you're just, like, covering covering your bases. But I'm like, if she's not really reacting, she's probably well, fine. And then you're just calling attention to it. Well, and this is the part where it continues to be weird. So he had the condoms in his bag. We've never heard them have a conversation about him buying condoms and having sex on this trip or anytime soon because Donna keeps saying like I feel bad that I'm the reason we're not having sex not that she's ready to have sex like right we as the audience have never heard her say those words correct correct now he's you know whisking her off on this romantic thing he's being like I tried to request two beds but they didn't have it so we only have the one it's it feels like He's trying to, like, he's got ulterior motives and he's trying Mm -hmm. to force the situation on her. Whereas she's like, I'm not worried. We've shared a bed before. This is totally safe for me and not going to make me feel like dirt. Well, and like, just to further that point, let's say they did have a conversation and Donna had said that she started to feel like she was ready and maybe this was a good opportunity. Why would David then go and request twin beds? That's what I mean. Like, the story makes no sense. The only way it makes sense is if David is trying to force this without having the conversation. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm not comfortable with that. No, definitely not. And, like, there are some cute moments, like, now that we've kind of gotten to New Orleans, because, you know, they go and meet with Monica's representation or (laughs) – Whoever this guy was. And they get giant drinks. Which she should not be drinking something alcoholic the size of her torso the day before our presentation. It did. did, The cup looked like her torso. (laughs) And it was like the length of it. If she like held that at her like collarbone, it would hit below her waist. I promise you. For sure. And yeah. She'd disappear behind it. She totally would. Like that totally won't bode well for – anybody but especially somebody who doesn't really drink that much that often who is tiny and has a presentation in about 12 hours give or take yeah and yeah i mean you know they have cutesy moments i think it was like it felt a little pushy to me i think because i'm old at this point when Monica's representation I don't remember that guy's name if they said it but 
he's like, oh, yeah, everything's hot in New Orleans. And David looks at Donna and is like, yeah, it is. That's like that's like what you write in a romance novel, not what you put on screen, you know? Like, that's something you write, like, I don't know. Yeah, it felt a little over the top. A little over yeah. the top. Just a little. I mean, they do have a good night. Like, every time we see them basically from the hotel until the end of the night mm-hmm. is a pretty decent night. I mean, they've gone for a walk outside. They're having these cute conversations about the houses in New Orleans. They're being all kissy all over the place. But then they get to, like, I guess the time. And, you know, they're, like, hardcore making out. We know Tori Spelling loves to just, like, slip, like, just, like, we would, she wants us to see the side <laughs> of her tongue. <laughs> so she does it again can you imagine her and brandon like i'm sorry we we can't we, well we don't have to imagine it we've seen it but like say, if they were in a relationship <laughs> i saw it once anyway. i'm good yeah exactly um but anyway so they're like going at it and then all of a sudden donna gets to this point where she's like I, suddenly i'm uncomfortable i was at a point where i was safe i felt good this was right and then boom my nervous system kicks up and i'm like nope can't do it and I think what happens next is exactly what we expect at this point, given Mm -hmm. the past behavior, the past uh, usage of words that David has had. But I, even with that, I still kind of like wanted it to be different, you know, because he's like, you can't go through with it. And I'm like, ugh, let her talk first. Maybe you don't need to talk. Maybe you can let her be vulnerable if she wants to. And luckily because she's donna she does she says she's scared she wants to but not right now and not this way which again alludes to what you said earlier about like this was clearly a conversation that happened before because donna has never expressed the desire to have sex before marriage she's like kind of the way we were talking about kelly and brandon like having to get to the right page in the book like she's inching towards it after meeting you know her grandmother and having that whole conversation she's like oh I'm starting to understand it I'm jealous of what Kelly and Brandon have but like Mm -hmm. we as the audience yeah have never heard her say like I have gotten comfortable with the idea of sex before marriage right right and so I guess this kind of disarms David a little bit because she was able to say like you know I'm scared I do want this but I just can't make it happen like something's stopping me And then David does say he has to be more patient and then tries to insert humor into the bit. And like, it just wasn't the right, it wasn't right. I like, I don't, I'm not mad at him for attempting, you know, he he didn't mean anything bad by it. But then something that like kind of bought me a little bit was when he said he doesn't know what else he has to prove to Donna. Yeah. And the reason it bumped me is not that like, we all know he's trying. We all know he is doing everything he can to make Donna feel comfortable and safe and like trusting and all this stuff. I, I think and, and 22 year olds, like 22 year olds, 22 year olds, even at 32 yeah. you know, years old, like I don't always get this right in the first minute, but it's just not about that. It's clearly not about the partner. It's about sex, not about sex with whom, you know? Yeah. 
yeah, I, the that kind of stuff where he's like, great, you can't go through with it. And, like, I don't know what else I have to do for you. Like, yeah. You know, he talks about having this, like, romantic weekend. He's got condoms in the drawer and blah, blah, blah. Like, it just – the way it all read to me, which I'm sure wasn't the intention or, like, you know, was framed differently, you know, almost 20 years ago and they are a lot younger than us. But, like, it feels like David was trying to make it happen. Like, he is trying to mm-hmm. manufacture the scenario to be like, oh, look, we're in this romantic place. We had the perfect evening. I said I love you and I have condoms. Have sex with me. Well, and I think, like, that is not bad. Like, creating a positive context for a person is very important. If you're having a shitty night and, like, you get in fights the whole night and you still brought condoms and you had had that conversation beforehand that we didn't see, that creates horrible context. So, of course, Donna's not going to want that. And I think that's kind of like we're making the same point. We're just saying it yeah. differently. We're both saying like it's not about the context in this case. It's not about David. It's about what Donna's going through internally to feel prepared herself. And yeah, maybe that's the whole thing. It's like David hasn't figured that part of it out. He still thinks like I give her the best moment. We're in a good place in our relationship. We should be having sex and not like I need to listen to her and make sure that she's internally like worked it for herself to be at that Mm -hmm. point. I think that's that's what I'm choosing to get out of this. Yeah, for sure. And therefore, you know, they they do not proceed. In fact, David ends up sleeping on the couch for some reason. Yeah, I didn't understand that at all. Um, but maybe, maybe to his credit, he didn't want to further make her uncomfortable. You know, like if she was at a point where she was uncomfortable, being in the same bed might be a step too far, you know? Anyway. I just wish we saw the conversations. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. We needed more. We needed more. We could have cut so much else out to put more (laughs) into this. You mean the like 45 seconds of... Hartley House? Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, they oversleep. Her class, at least they're going back in time, so that helps. Literally, that was my... He slept on the couch. They overslept. Her class! That was my note for that scene. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) But yeah, so she misses... She freaking misses... Not just that she's late or, like, gets to the... Like, she misses the entire thing. Yeah, and Professor has no sympathy. Like, Langley is like, the real world has deadlines. You blew yours. You better hope you do well in the final. I'm not dealing with this. And, you know, it's basically just like, you did everything I expected you to do. Exactly. Oh, and that's why I wish she could have had that moment right after class to just level set with her professor. Yeah. Ugh. And so we don't, uh, presumably, we get the fallout next week. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, Donna had a bad week. Yes. So, like, I yeah, yeah, I can only hope that it gets better for her next week. Yep. Anyway, Mary, what else happened this week? Claire and Steve accompany their parents, that is, Arnold Arnold and Samantha Sanders, to an industry party honoring the Hartley House. 
Throughout the night, Samantha treats Arnold very poorly, and Claire gets mad at Steve about it. Imagine, like, you and your husband are both actors, and you get to act that you're falling in love again at an older age, and then having to act like this. Right? Which, I don't know, could be fun. Could be fun, but like, I it de- I guess it depends on how good of an actor I True. am in the sense of like, if John was the Samantha and I was the Arnold Arnold and he starts talking <laughs> at me like that, I just start crying. That's true. You're yeah. You're you're um, your faucet is real sensitive <laughs> in those scenarios. So yeah, I could see that. I think. God, what would happen in a Nate Caitlin situation? I would definitely be Samantha, 100%. Yeah, that tracks because you and John and then me and Nate. Yeah, that's true. That's true. (laughs) But like poor Nate, he'd just be sitting at the table, like all sad. (laughs) That's what I mean. Like you have to see the the Arnold Arnold sitting all sad and then the Samantha just has to be a dick. Right? Okay, so let's back up. The way we got here, like Mary said, Samantha's getting honored for something, for the Hartley House. And it all happened because, like, we find this out because Steve is humming the Hartley House theme song in the kitchen, which is kind of cute, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve was, I, God bless America, Steve was the best human out of probably anyone in this episode. They keep doing it. <laughs> I know. They, they keep being like, we're going to make you hate him, we're going to make you hate him. Best episode ever. Steve is just on another level compared to anybody else. And he's cute. We're going to take his shirt off in bed. (laughs) Like we're going to, yeah, we're going to make him sound like he's been to therapy a couple of times. Like, what are you doing to me? And (laughs) uh, I hate it. And I love it. And I hate it. And so anyway, Steve, Brandon, and Claire, and technically Kelly, are supposed to go to this awards dinner thing. But Kelly can't go because she's sick. We'll get to that. Um, So we get this, like, weird moment in the student union, the condor's nest, whatever it's called, where Steve, like, picked his mom up from the airport, put her in, like, her hotel she's staying in to, like, get her settled and so she can get ready. And Claire's there and, like, just talking a mile a minute about how excited Arnold is to see Samantha because supposedly they have not seen each other in weeks. And we know Mm -hmm. like in the late nineties, like communication was really just consistent of um, phone, like over the phone and in person, or I guess you could send letters and telegrams and stuff like that. But supposedly they have not seen each other face to face in weeks. Yeah. And what's important here is Claire is like, you know, I think I was really wrong about this relationship. My dad's so excited to see her. He can't stop talking about her. And Steve is just like, my mom didn't mess- mention him once. Mm-hmm. And it's a very like don't shoot the messenger moment where Claire yes. is immediately on edge yes. because of what Steve said. Yeah. And Steve didn't even really say anything that bad. He's just like clearly Samantha has a lot of other things to think about and she may not because of this situation where they went to that retreat, she might be sensitive to like Steve being kind of weird about them dating since I don't know, the kids are dating each other too. Claire. Yeah, like, 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, Steve sees nothing wrong, but Claire is just like sus. So sus. And it it just keeps going from there. Like the four of them are supposed to go to the award show together, but then we go to the beach apartment right before the award show where Arnold Arnold and Samantha Sanders are supposed to meet up with Claire and Steve. And Arnold Arnold is the only one who shows up. And he's like, oh, well, Samantha made other arrangements. I didn't even know until I got to the hotel. Right. Which that's shitty. Like you should at least like leave note or leave a message or something. That was shitty of Samantha. Oh, yeah. And like now it is officially it is on Samantha that something is wrong. And like poor Arnold Arnold is like <laughs> I read soap opera magazines to keep up with her you have to stay current like Claire's like why are you reading this vapid piece of trash and he's like my boo is in there I gotta see what I, she's doing <laughs> I love when she's like well I don't think Samantha is reading Chancellor Weekly oh my god Claire god dork runs in your family <laughs> I know she's just like on, she's like mama bearing this situation though. Yes, very much so. Like so protective. And even like Arnold Arnold here says he doesn't want to cause a scene. He doesn't want to make this night difficult or challenging or anything other than a wonderful celebration of her career. And I immediately wrote down, Claire's going to cause that scene. Yeah, right? Like, I'm sorry, do you know what show you're on? There's a scene exactly. to be had. Exactly. But you know, we get to the TV honor ceremony thing. I didn't write the whole thing down. Whatever. I didn't either. <laughs> we, we watch a clip of Samantha and Chucky on the big TV, and all I could think of was mm-hmm. the Chucky episode from season two. Sure. I was just shocked. I was like, I guess that is probably the only clip they have. So, okay. And Steve is, like, smiling the whole time. And as we recall, Steve, like – hated Chucky (laughs) hated well and even like when the guy comes up to announce Samantha he's like oh yeah the mom we all wish we had and Steve is just like I didn't even have her and she's my mom right that is what he has said in the past especially when Chucky's involved like he should be traumatized right now Exactly. Um, uh, But in this episode, Steve experiences all sorts of growth and (laughs) is completely confident. Yeah, that's that's growth and completely confident in his mother's affection for him, their relationship, um, boundaries like I could go on. Yeah. And like he is nervous, you know, Brandon ends up going with and being kind of a fifth wheel in this whole thing, which is like. He's going to support his bro. I appreciate it. And to get out Mm -hmm. of the house. We'll Mm -hmm. be honest. But like Steve confides in him. He's worried about what Claire is saying about their parents. And Brandon's like, you got to drop it. But he can't get Claire to drop it. And then all of a sudden, like it turns from our parents have relationship troubles to maybe we have relationship troubles that we're not talking about. Mm hmm. And like dot, dot, question mark. Exactly. And it's all projection and and things like that. And like Steve even does try to like meddle just a tad just to be like, hey, man, like, what are you doing, mom? And she does pretty like forcibly tell him to mind his own business. So 
clearly, which doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out, like something is going on between Samantha and Arnold Arnold, but it is none of Stephen Clare's business. So yeah. And yeah, the writers have decided it's none of our business because we don't see that relationship until we find Mm -hmm. out it's falling apart. Yep, exactly. Yeah, because after the award ceremony, like everybody is left except for Brandon because he doesn't want to go home. And then Steve and Claire and Arnold and Samantha. But yeah, poor Arnold. Arnold is just sitting by himself, like hunched over a table while Samantha is at a table with all these network execs having all this fun. They're talking about going to more parties, getting the limo around the corner. Yeah, she like straight up stomps on his heart, which like Claire says that later. And she does like that is accurate. It's just not. Yes. It's just none of her business. But yeah, she just like tries to say that, you know, oh, there's another party. And Arnold is like, well, I can come with you. And she's just like, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. When she's like, you don't understand the business. And he goes, no, but I understand common courtesy. And then she's just like, you're embarrassing me. Get out. Yeah, that felt so weird. It was like probably a very real fight that we didn't see the beginning of, but we saw the end of. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And everyone else saw it. Like, she says you're embarrassing me, but she's kind of shouting it, and then she storms off. Yes. And she storms off past Steve and Claire, so, like, Steve tries to stop her. She tells him to stay out of it, and then all of a sudden, despite seeing these things, Claire is just on Steve. She's furious. Yeah, and she, like, decides to go ride home with Arnold Arnold, So he's not alone. And once they all get to their respective homes, Steve, of course, is bummed out that it's not going to work out between their parents. But I literally wrote down Claire's mad at Steve. For what reason? Even I don't understand why she's mad at him. Yeah, like I was telling you this earlier and I I never thought of a better way to phrase it, but it's like. Claire's character is just all about having a dead mom and being protective of her dad. Like, Mm -hmm. the fact that anyone could hurt her dad, she's going to take it out on everybody else. Like, Right. Right. That's it. Like, to the point that they're fighting over who's going to sleep on the couch, which, again, silly, 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 stupid thing. And the next morning, when Steve is like, God, fucking Steve. (laughs) He has barely slept. He's in a plush robe. He comes out fully prepared to have an adult conversation. Therapies, Claire, right in the face when he says, we are not responsible for what our parents do or don't do. I'm like, raise your hand if you've been personally victimized by Steve Sanders. (laughs) And like, yeah, Claire tries to fight back at that in a, you know, you got therapy on one side, you've got Claire being a child on the other side going, that's convenient because my dad didn't do anything. Right. And like, like it, it, it's mind boggling because then she tries to get mad at him for like protecting her mo- or like, you know, Steve defending his mom because and he's like, yeah, because she's my mom. Claire's doing the exact same thing. Like pot, yeah. meat, cattle, please. But it's different because she doesn't have a mom. Exactly. 
her dad is all she's got. Which, right before that, she says, I'm sorry, okay? I'm sorry that you have a screwed up relationship with your parents. Steve's look of hurt. Yes. Like, the personal attacks that Claire yes. is just throwing. This is not how you have something- a productive fight. No, not at all. And I read something recently that said, like, there is no reasoning with an emotionally immature person. Mm-hmm. And what's crazy is that, like, up until this point, I've always thought of Claire as an emotionally mature person. Yeah. I feel like we have used those exact words on this podcast up until very recently. Like, yeah. And even then, it's been sporadically. Like, we'll say it when she does stuff related to her mom and her dad. Right, right. But, like, yeah, this was not a good look for her. She refused to see any other side of anything other than the fact that her dad got broken up with. And somehow that's Steve's fault for not protecting her dad preemptively from his mom. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Or foreseeing this. Like, yeah, the, you know, something that happened at the end of which season did we lose Joe? Was it six? I think so. Okay. Remember at the end of season six when Joe all of a sudden wasn't in care? Like, he went through that jealousy spell. Yes. And we were like, okay, this seems weird. It seems like they're trying to make us hate Joe. So when he leaves the show, it'll hurt less. Mm -hmm. I know, and spoiler alert, I know that Kathleen Robertson is not on the show forever. I don't know when she leaves, but this feels eerily suspicious and familiar to what they were trying to do with Joe. So, and that's the thing. I thought she was leaving last year when the prince showed up and she got so mad at Steve for like doing the whole romance novel thing of letting Mm -hmm. the prince get a second chance with her. Like, and that was another dead mom moment where she was like well my mom wanted me to be a princess like I really expected her to leave last year and now I I agree I expect her to leave very soon this time and they're gonna be like well she was mean to Steve you shouldn't be bad be mad about it right and yeah because we have to be on Steve's side because we know Steve stays The entire show. Steve signed on for three more seasons. We have to be on Steve's side. (laughs) I am saying that ink is still wet. (laughs) (laughs) He's holding the contract hostage. She's like, you have to make them love me. Mm -hmm. Their whole storyline this episode was just her fighting Steve for no reason and him honestly kind of desperately trying to hold on. Exactly. Exactly. Mary, what else happened this week? Kelly and Val both get sick and Brandon takes care of both of them at Casa Walsh, at least until he goes with Steve to that industry party we just talked about. Then Kelly and Val get to the bottom of their feud by reminiscing on that one time after Palm Springs when Val and Brandon made out. 
And Val creates one more drama before continuing to do whatever she's trying to do with Kelly's dad's company. Valerie Malone is the most entertaining character on this show. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. She is Emily Valentine toned down in certain areas and toned up in other areas. I just love her. I like multiple times in my notes, I just wrote Val in all caps with an exclamation <laughs> point because what she was doing was so her. Like, we always talk about how Steve has no shame. I think Val does. She just doesn't give a shit. Like, the difference between Steve and Val is not the shame element. It's that they don't care. Like, one of them cares deeply about what other people think of them, and the other doesn't at all. This whole episode was Val caring about what people think of her and what has happened, and apparently just feverishly... With her flu brain ruminating on it all day. Right. Right. Yeah. So perfect, perfect way to start. So yeah, the flu's going around campus. Apparently it's not that contagious, but it has infiltrated an entire fraternity and two out of the four people that live or mostly live in this household. Yeah. I love I love the joke is like Brandon saying it's not that contagious. And then you find out that Val got it from Kelly and they never (laughs) spend any time in the same room together. Yes, they do. They do in secret. Oh, my God. What if <laughs> what if that was how he found out? What if they were like, oh, my God, I got the flu from Kelly. How did you get it from Kelly? You haven't said three words to her in a week. You don't have yeah, to. Yeah, I this. haven't. <laughs> I've never seen her. It must be someone else. Sorry, Brandon. Do you talk when you kiss? I... <laughs> <laughs> okay. But also when – Kelly, when we first see Kelly being sick, she is back to that high-pitched baby voice, and I am not a fan of it. <laughs> oh, Brandon, she's like Cece in yeah. the Pogo episode. Is it like when so I talk, when like, I talk a like a baby? Shut up. You're still hot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the difference. Like, Cece can still be hot. Like, I don't know, Jenny. That that little baby voice just does not – it doesn't do it for me. It drives me nuts because it's just like, Brandon, I don't feel good. She's like a cat when she does that. <laughs> like, she's like stretching in the sun like, oh, Brandon, I don't feel good. Uh, I'm sniffly. <laughs> like <laughs> – Sorry, good, not good. <laughs> it was perfect. That was like I I thought Jenny was on this podcast right now. Shit, we forgot to introduce her. <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, she's unbearable. No wonder Brandon got two juices, some magazines and tissues and was like, "Peace." <laughs> yeah, he's like, "You're good for the next day." Okay, I'm out. Mhm. Mhm. Because, yeah, that's really it we see in Brandon in this whole story is he finds out both girls are sick and Steve finds out people are sick and he's like, I'm I'm out of here. Bye. Mm-hmm. It's so Which, funny, though, because, like, at first he's very gallant about it. He's like, yes, I am here for you. I am ready. I can do this. And then it was like one more woman gets sick and he's like, nope. <laughs> that's a big old nope from me. Because <laughs> they're like – 
across the hall from each other being like, where's my juice? Brandon, did you get me juice? Brandon, I need my medicine. Where's the magazines? Did you get tissues? I asked for a grapefruit. If she gets tissues, or like if I get tissues, she doesn't get tissues. Like, oh my. (laughs) Kelly being like, I thought these were for me. And just like holding on to both of them. Like, girl, what are you doing? For a second, it was like freaking like Sesame Street. Like, how many tissues can we share? Let's practice our sharing. They were (laughs) both so whiny. So whiny. She did say she gets cranky when she's sick. Hey, to be fair, I'm pretty sure dudes wrote this episode, and that's exactly how dudes are when they're sick. So, literally, like, John has a cold right now, and we're watching TV, and I just, like, threw something on, like, literally on cable, I, whatever. And somebody was, like, stuck in the house. Like, they broke their legs, so they were sitting at home. And their girlfriend's like, oh, my God, I can't believe men are such babies when they're sick. And John goes, I'm not a baby when I'm sick. I was like, that was the TV. I didn't say that. (laughs) Yeah. Why are you getting personally attacked right now? Is it perhaps because it's true? (laughs) And then, like, of course, Kelly apparently can't move. Like, she just lays in bed the whole time. But Val's, like, up and walking around. And she walks into Kelly's bedroom or Brandon's bedroom to get the tabloid magazines and tissues. And, like, she's like. Kelly, I hope you feel better. And Kelly's just like, <laughs> you too. <laughs> I love it. Like, she even cares about me. Right? Like, Kelly. <laughs> like, and the thing is, like, I understand the hate between the two of them, but this is, mm-hmm. in this moment, this is not a good look for Kelly in front of Brandon, where she's just like, she didn't even mean that. Right? Like, This, especially later, like, there's a comment that, like, I want to circle back to that you just said that, like, is very present later on. Yeah. Well, okay. So we can continue because, like, that pattern kind of keeps going where Kelly is watching TV in the living room and Val comes in and is like, oh, you're here. What are you watching? And, like, you know, they're by themselves. And then they have this whole conversation where Kelly's watching Heidi because we can only watch old movies in black and white. Mm-hmm. And Val's like, oh, is that your idol? And then I don't remember how they get to it, but Kelly makes a Heidi Fleiss comment, and Val doesn't admire women that get caught. And then Kelly says that she should admire women who get paid for what she gets gives away for free, and they are about to fight. They are, like, all over who is the sluttiest. <laughs> like, that was about to be a full-on, like, hair-pulling screaming punching clawing fight like it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if kelly is the type to hair pull and slap but val straight punches (laughs) it would not shock me in the slightest oh my god i would love to see that where like yeah kelly goes to slap and val's just like i don't have time for this exactly let's get to the point (laughs) But, like, that's the part that Brandon comes in on, which, like, really breaks them up. Mm -hmm. And he basically just says, be good. And Kelly storms off. And then presumably they are apart for X amount of time. But they're, like, heated. And they continue this heat. But now it's just with Brandon not in the picture because 
Val comes into Kelly's room. God, it's Brandon's room. <laughs> but like she's still so comfortable walking into Brandon's yes. room when only Kelly is in there. Blows my mind. Same. And apparently we've decided either they're on cold medicine, so they're being a little like, you know, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, confessy. Like, I don't know. Like word vomity. Yeah. Like We're just going to say our feelings out. today. Exactly. Um, Val confesses. And sorry, we have an ad break for not the Bechtel test. Like, <laughs> Val says the real reason she hates Kelly is that Kelly ruined Valerie's one chance, my one chance, with Brandon. What? What? <laughs> like, I'm sorry. What started the most dramatic sexual relationship on this show is Brandon? Is a boy? No. I refuse. Did it not go back further? Wait. I'm positive it did. I am positive that it was like mid-season five when they started to hate each other. When like Val showed up and like she was playing the innocent girl and Kelly was like, mm, that's not 100% who she is. Yes, she like Kelly clocked her immediately. Now I don't know what made Val hate Kelly, but what Kelly like what rubbed Kelly the wrong way was like her intuition. She's like, no, 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 no. She's not who she says she is. But so, like, what ended up being the reason? Like, it, no, it's not because also Val and Brandon decided mutually at Palm. Yes, at Palm Springs. They're like, no, this is silly. We're we're literally like brothers and sisters. And I know Val's using that to like, because it's based on a little bit of truth. She's using it to then heighten it and like make Kelly feel bad. But yeah, they hated each other before Palm Springs. They hated each other well before Palm Springs. And like, this is BS that we're rewriting history to just make it about Brandon. Like, that's what bothers mm -hmm. me is we've decided it's about Brandon when clearly this hatred is much deeper than that. Like, yeah. And like, I would have been fine if that had been the story the whole time, you know? For sure. But like, I don't, I'm not mad that it's like Brandon. I'm mad that it's Brandon out of nowhere. It should have been Dylan. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. yes. But. That doesn't fit the narrative that Kelly and Brandon are supposed to be together. And if anyone found out that it was Dylan outside of the three of them, which Val would make sure everybody knew. Which I think just proves that Kelly and Val love each other. Yes. They're the other, like, they're the other angle in this shape, <laughs> in this love polygon. Yes. I feel so validated right now. I feel so validated. <laughs> Like, I just, yeah, I want everything Val said tonight to just be a lie. Her covering her ass because she can't let Kelly know that she loves because her. Because she read it in Kelly's diary that she loves. This is, again, back to the diary because Val mentions later, or Kelly mentions later, she must have read it in my diary. If it were really about that, she would have had, like, alarm bells be like, she read it in my diary. You know, like, <laughs> like oh, no. <laughs> But Val really does love Kelly, and they just need to admit it, okay? But 
no, this episode was written by someone who hates us and <laughs> decided to make some shit up. Whew, this was weird. Okay, it's- so like, can we just zoom through it? Because, yeah. Okay. So, okay, so we we decide to have flashbacks because Val is like, oh my gosh, you really don't remember what happened after Palm Springs. I'll tell you. We get a flashback that is maybe not exactly what we saw on screen. I don't know. But the end of season five was Brandon and Val making out after Palm Springs cuts to black. The next season we find out nothing happened. Mm-hmm. The show has decided to fill in that blank where Val tells us that Kelly rings the doorbell, demands Brandon come outside, and begs him to take her back. Begs. Begs. Begs him not to sleep with Valerie. hmm He says, I'm in love with Valerie, and I have been since we were kids. My favorite part, though, was afterwards when Val is like, you ruined my chances just like you ruined Tracy's. And I'm like, that's it. That's the reason for this. Yes. Val took that personally. Exactly. But then Kelly's like, no, no, no. Let me give you my version of the flashback. It was obvious that something was happening between you and Brandon. But then (laughs) her version of being on the porch is that she was very understanding about it. And they just had a really nice talk. And Brandon says he'll call her later. And then in present day, Val is like, you're lying. (laughs) And then just leaves. Yeah. Like, Kelly even goes so far as to say, like, go ask Brandon what really happened. You know, like, you weren't outside. I think she did say you weren't there. Yes. And, yeah. And then, like, says go ask Brandon. So Kelly has lied enough to for it to still be a lie, but has based so much of it in truth that Brandon could, in theory, corroborate her story. But that's not going to happen. No one's going to no. ask Brandon. No. Why ask Brandon when you can just talk about it and theorize? (laughs) Yeah, because instead Val goes back to her room and now Kelly just comes (laughs) into her room and is just like, Brandon was supposed to call me and he didn't. So what happened inside the house? So Kelly makes up the story (laughs) that inside Val is just like, well, I wonder how long it will take Kelly to get over to Dylan's and do the same exact thing that she just did here. And he says, you're right. She has no right to tell me who to be with. And then they bang it out. God, my favorite was like, ah, Dylan, take me around the world or something like that. (laughs) I didn't write it down. I wish I had, but it's like, I'm sad. Take me around the world. (laughs) Console me. That's right. (laughs) Oh, God. But yeah, like, it's so ridiculous. I mean, it is, like, pretty true to, like, how you can, like, exaggerate and hyperbolic, like, make things hyperbolic in your mind, you know? Mm Because you're like, this is the worst case scenario. Like, I would hate this if this really happened. But I have no evidence to the contrary. (laughs) I I truly, she took a worst case scenario of this whole thing. And Val is just like, yep, that's what happened. (laughs) I loved it. And then she does finally admit, she's like, no, nothing ever happened. You should know that. And Kelly's like, oh, but I didn't. But then they start going back and forth with each other. And Kelly's basically calling Val a liar repeatedly. She's like, you can't keep your story Mm. straight. 
because you're so much of a liar. Like, why should I believe anything you say? And then Val accuses, asks Kelly, she's like, hey, why are you trying to take the only family I have left? And then Kelly says, first he's your lover and now he's your family. Those things don't go together. And whew. Yeah. Um, okay, writers. I mean, what's crazy to me is like, Kelly doesn't know the significance of what she just said, right? She's just yeah. like, what are you? She's trying to be like, what are you saying? Like, you can't even, like, this doesn't add up. She has no idea what happened to Val because she has not told. Who who knows? It's just Tom. It's just Tom and, and her, her parents. Yeah. yeah. So, like, who? Like, no wonder that acting was very reminiscent if you guys haven't watched it you should of season two uh episode 10 or seven white lotus of megan fahey when somebody tells her something that happened i'm not gonna spoil it for you and she hits the realization face then snaps and she's well you just have to figure out how to make it okay like and moves on that was so like i had that same thought i'm like ooh, tiffany Hit me with that acting. And she does. But what's crazy to me, too, is that we also just got confirmation that Valerie, uh, her relationship with love and her her relationship with, like, infatuation, she calls everyone the love of her life. I didn't even clock that until now. Because, yeah, yeah, it was Dylan. It was Colin. It was – who else did you say? It was Dylan. It was Colin. Now it's Brandon. Tom. Tom, Yes. And then that added element of like, yeah, that's like, why do you think she does? Well, Kelly doesn't know. But like, why do we think she does that? Because of what happened to her, her trauma. Yeah. Like. It was great. It was great. I didn't like the rest of what was going on in no. these scenes. But like that ended hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is just another moment where I'm just like, Kelly, psychology. Like, recognize the signs. Like, I know you see them, but you're blinded Mm -hmm. by your freaking dislike for a person and not trying Mm -hmm. to get to the bottom of why they're behaving that way. Right. Exactly. If this were anyone but Val, she would have acted differently. Yeah. Kelly, like, I feel like just wrote her off so long ago and just does not give a fuck. Mm -hmm. But secretly, deep down, that hatred comes from love. Yeah. Yeah. Two obviously. things can be true. That's right. <laughs> Two things can be true. <laughs> but like, yeah, I was really hoping when I found out at the beginning of this episode that both of them were sick that like I can't explain how they would have made this happen, but maybe they both had to be on the couches in the living room because there's two couches in the living room mm. of like Brandon needed to put them in one place to take care of them. So they were stuck in a room together mm-hmm. feeling bad and just like hanging out and that's not what happened make, they stayed in their own out. places Sorry, you said hanging out <laughs> well okay <laughs> but seriously kelly has the flu and she starts making out with brandon when he gets home so like she could have been making out with val that's fine well yeah and like they both were already infected so it just makes yeah. sense yeah <laughs> it just makes sense logic we're, guys we're like home alone and, and viruses work <laughs> We need to swap our antibodies. We need to swap our viruses. It'll cancel each other out. <laughs> it's like, hey guys, it came up with a great vaccine. It's called making out. <laughs> you want to try it? <laughs> oh my god, that feels like a like one of those really terrible high school like flirting moments where you're like, let's count shoulders. 
Oh my god, yes. Yes. Or like a stupid valentine that you give to somebody. <laughs> it's like science related. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a woman in STEM. Love me. Yeah. <laughs> well, now that Valerie and Kelly both, I guess, feel better with their flu, but I guess not really about the situation, at least who knows? Like Val clearly doesn't. Kelly kind of does because she thinks she won, quote unquote. Yeah. She like bangs Brandon for never banging Valerie. Like that's what Which, happened last night. Yeah. Which like um, if we take into context the incestuous nature of this group, I guess, yeah, that is a pretty big win. <laughs> but <laughs> But OK, so this is like maybe a 24-hour flu because the next day Val and Kelly are like 100%. They are just fine. Mm -hmm. Whatever. And by 100%, it means Val is ready to come down and cause chaos. She was like, I had to go 24 – She had to go 24 hours without fucking something up. (laughs) She has to come back. And man, she's so good at it. She's so good. I, like, why is she just not a con artist? She she tried that. She got arrested for solicitation. Yes, but she wasn't, like, in control of the con. You know, if she was, Fair. like, the ringleader, like, she gives me mom and spy kids vibes. Like, <laughs> just put her in a, like, one of those zip-up suits and let her go take on a mission. I don't know. <laughs> well, in this mission... She wants to break up Brandon and Kelly just for the heck of it. It's like, yeah. it just rolls off the tongue. She's like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm really going to miss Kelly next year in New York. And Brandon's like, you're going to New York? And she's like, no, Kelly is. Kelly applied to Columbia. Oh, she didn't tell you? I have to go to the club. Bye. Like, first of all, I'm going to miss Kelly. Brandon should be like, shut up. nope anything you say after this is null and void (laughs) but like no brandon can't i don't know what it is but anytime val says something to him about kelly he believes her immediately immediately like do you know the thanksgiving episode of friends where the the guys go to the hockey game and they think they're going to be back in time for thanksgiving but they're not so monica locks them out and mm-hmm. Joey's like, I can get her to let me back in. I can do it. And then he looks at Ross with his eyes. And then Ross is like, he can do it. Like, that's <laughs> Val. She's like, yeah. I can get them to break up. I can do it. Mm-hmm. And, like, most of the time she does. <laughs> She's so good. Like, he believes her. Like, mm-hmm. there's there's a quick scene at the pee pad that I think is setting up future stuff in this season where Derek Driscoll shows up from Bill Taylor Investments. He says Bill sent him to meet Val personally to talk to her about investments. Like he mansplains investing to her. Which is hilarious because he's also mansplaining like foreign potential embezzlement and fraudulent activity, like offshore accounts and stuff. Yeah. But he's literally like, we take your money, we put it with other people's money, and then we take that bigger pile of money and invest it. Like, yes, sir. It's 
that's how the stock market works. Yeah, I pull money from an elite group of investors. I'm like, ridiculous. Okay, is this the plot from like Ocean's Eleven? I don't. <laughs> I mean, to be seen what Bill Taylor is doing with his life, but Derek Driscoll is here now because you can't just jump right to Bill Taylor. We have to invent Derek Driscoll first. Well, yeah, like, you know, Bill Taylor, if Bill Taylor is like, the leader of the group. If he is Job of the Hut, you don't just go straight to Job of the Hut. You got to meet the minions first. <laughs> How many references can I make this episode? But yeah, we're I guess very subtly advancing this plot. Val does make a comment that Kelly is one of her very good friends. Yep, she just oh. Yeah. It just the the ease. How it just like falls off the tongue like it's she's been saying it her whole life i'm telling you it's because she couldn't stir up trouble for 24 hours so it's just like backlogged she just has to do it and Mm -hmm. this just like presented itself to her yeah but in our final scene brandon runs into kelly in his own house and is just like you pled to columbia were you gonna tell me about it like, immediately so angry to the point that, like, the only thing that would calm him down and, like, make him not mad is actually what Kelly says. And what she says is that, yeah, she got accepted, or she applied. Yes, she got accepted. All of this happened before him and Tracy broke up. So now she's not going to consider even going. That's the only and- thing that would have made him not mad. Are you kidding me? And, like... It truly immediately appeases him. He's like, oh, okay. Like, Kelly can't have a life? Kelly can't pursue her dreams? Kelly can't advance her academic future? I'm a little shocked that they went so quickly into, like, well, she got Brandon, so she's not going to Columbia. Like, Right. This is – oh, my God. Here's another reference. This is – Exactly what Lauren Conrad did in the hills. She chose Jason when she should have chose Paris. It's the same thing. The hills. Who of you watched a shit ton of Beverly Hills 90210? Well, it did say hills in it, so maybe they were Googling and accidentally (laughs) just read Beverly Hills because it's kind of the hills. (laughs) That's close enough, right? Close enough. Inspiration. It just kills me that this entire episode was like in service of Brandon and I'm not mad at Brandon in service of a boy. And then the end of the episode is still in service of a boy. I'm I'm telling you, like, this is the biggest failure of the Bechtel test. I think we could have possibly happened. Like, yes, women talk repeatedly only about a man. Mm-hmm. Like, Anytime two women talk, it is about a man. It is about Brandon Walsh. In this episode, hey, I will say there's a reason, and now I know why, this episode was one of the lower-rated episodes of the season. And I actually saw that because when I went to look up who wrote it, because I was like, this was written by a man. There's no way in hell this was not written by a man. Like, at first... I was like, huh, I wonder why it was rated so low. And then maybe like (laughs) five minutes after the episode ended, I was like, yeah, okay, I get it. In fact, I think it actually was like, yeah, and by a decent margin. 
So there were really I good want- parts. There were good parts. There were good parts, and I do wonder, like, if anybody rated it and gave reasons why, because yeah. I would be curious what other people didn't like about it compared to us. Agree. Agree. Yeah, and yeah. and we even forgot to mention, not forgot, just hadn't gotten there yet, that the last bit, all of this comes to a head with Kelly saying that basically, like, he has to choose between her and Val because they both can't live in that. This house is too big for the both of them. And Brandon is like, how can you make me do this? Like, she's family. Yeah, I got to say, an ultimatum to end the episode, Kelly, not a strong Mm-mm. move. Nope. But that's it. That's how we end it. And we got some fallout to address next next week in, in our next episode. Donna's project, this ultimatum. We got the built-in storyline. Just like, yeah, Claire and Steve's fight. Like... We got lots of stuff to wrap up in just a few short episodes to end the season. Yeah, because we this is a thirty-two episode season. Mm-hmm. So we have we have two episodes, and then I know the finale is a two-part it's finale. A so like, really yep. like two plus the one and a half. Mm-hmm. Because it's just going to be a big episode. Like, I don't even know how you get out of some of this stuff. Because having that ultimatum, like, you can't get rid of these characters. Nope. So what's their plan? I don't know. I I won't even begin to guess. What I will guess about is your quote of the week. Hit me. Okay. So I have like legitimate therapy Steve quotes of the week, Mm -hmm. but there were a couple of quotes that we didn't address that I'm just going to like throw out there just to have them. Okay. And by a couple, I mean probably only the one because the only one I wrote down that just got me for some reason was when Claire and Steve are talking about how David is whisking Donna away to New Orleans for a night. And Claire is like, why don't you ever do romantic stuff like that with me? And Steve goes, oh, honey, we don't need romance. We have sex. Ha, 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 ha. (laughs) Yeah, like he does the ha, ha, ha. (laughs) He really does. Has he not had that line word for word in a recent episode? Oh, maybe. Like he I could swear have. he said that before. I could just be having deja vu. But I was like, did like I wrote it down. I was like, why is he saying this again? I swear he just said this. Huh. I don't I know. Look. Yeah. I mean, I could totally buy it because like that is a lot of what Steve and Claire's relationship has been. Is just like we don't need romance. Nope. And then, yeah, I guess like a general uh, nomination to the Claire and Steve conversation on the couch that next morning when Mm -hmm. he says, like, we're not responsible for what our parents do. And then she says that whole thing about, like, I'm sorry you've got a screwed up relationship with your parents, but my dad is all I've got. And he responds with, well, if your father's all you've got, then where does that leave me? Yeah. Big yeah. One. So, yeah, just general shout out to that conversation. And then the, we don't need romance. We have sex. Mm-hmm. What you got, Mary? Um, so, really, like, I kind of paraphrased this. It's Kelly's theory. Um of what happened that night after Palm Springs. And it's, I wrote down Val waits for Brandon boobily tells him (laughs) Kelly's going back to Dylan's 
And then the quote, console me, take me around the world. <laughs> she okay. asked boobly. Boobly. <laughs> I did not write that down, but I got to say, like, that that usurps my quote of the week. That wins. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what was it originally before it lost to it? nominations freaking steve we're not responsible for what our parents do or don't do like are you serious like what especially uh uh, i guess they're gen xers but millennials like what millennial doesn't need to hear that yeah (laughs) holy shit man yeah talk about timeless television Yes, it's like something that like cuts so deep that they probably didn't realize the significance of what they were writing until they just like took a step back and was like, whoa, that's deep. <laughs> yeah, like I feel like they were genuinely proud of themselves for like how funny the flashbacks mm-hmm. were intended to be mm-hmm. and totally missed over Therapy Steve. Yep. Mary, what about you? Do you have a moment of the week? God, all of those flashbacks that just, (laughs) yeah, I think, I don't remember if we were recording when I said this, but I swear I felt like I was being gaslit when (laughs) (laughs) it was weird and it threw me the fuck off, but it, it drew me in. So I'll, I'll give it to him. That's so funny. That's so funny. The moment of the week when I was being gaslit. Love it. Feels right, though, for this show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, The writers, they're just making me second guess everything I think I know. (laughs) Right? They're putting things in my head. I don't know what's real. (laughs) Oh, my God. Will they do it again next week? I don't know. We'll find out. It's a a holiday week in Beverly Hills. (laughs) It's season seven, episode 29, Mother's Day. Oh, no. <laughs> That's not good. Well, let's think about the mothers that we've recently, you know, kind of talked about that would be relevant in this situation. Felice. Mm-hmm. Claire's mom. Well, Claire's lack, lack of Lack of a mom. Uh, uh, Samantha. Samantha. Mm-hmm. That's about Jackie? it. Jackie? I mean, she's I mean, there. <laughs> Where's Erin? Oh my god! Is yeah, she in? Be- is she in kindergarten? Dude, this is gonna be like Boy Meets World when they have Morgan, one actor for Morgan, and then like two seasons later, they finally bring Morgan back, and it's a completely different actor, and she comes down the stairs, and she's like, "Man, that was the longest time out I've ever had." <laughs> <laughs> That's what baby Aaron is doing. Yeah, she's currently auditioning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, this is definitely going to be like Felice is going to show up because she's Felice. She has to. We're going to have Claire's lack of a mom. Dead mom Claire is coming back. Mm-hmm. Samantha, if she's still in town, will be involved, but she's probably Good back point. in New York. I think she said she was going back to New York. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess. I'm trying to think. Like I had somebody else. I think we're out of moms that would be relevant. Val's mom could end up somehow being a thing. But I'm feeling yeah. I'm feeling Donna and Claire. I'm thinking those are the moms. The triumvirate. What if 
We got surprise Cindy. Oh, okay. That would make it all better. I would <laughs> 10 out of 10. No, no. Just yeah. surprise Cindy, no other moms. <laughs> this episode is rated much higher than the previous, than the one we've just talked about. So I have hopes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to get my hopes happened. up. Yes. I'm going to get my hopes course. up. I'm going to do it. Put them up. Put them up. Did we say David's mom? We did no. not say David's mom. And I thought about it, but like. I don't know. They really only call her when there's a mental health crisis. It's true. True. Yeah. Okay. And like to the Cindy theory. Yes. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So we'll find out next week. And until then, you can follow us on Instagram at back to podcast. You can also shoot us over an email if you'd like with anything you have to say at back to podcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it with all your friends and family. All that stuff really helps us get seen and build a community. And, you know, that means we can give you all a better product. And if you give us a review in Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout out on the show because we really appreciate you. So from all of us at Back to Podcast, I got to go get me one of those giant hurricane drinks. I'm going to start hoarding all my tissues, so if anybody needs them, they just can't have them. They're mine. I'm really going to miss Kelly next year. Bye. Bye. See ya.